So I'm going to talk tonight about uh, receiving from, from God. And there's a few different names people use for receiving from God, receiving prayer. There's a centering prayer. If anyone's ever heard that, uh, you could call this resting prayer. You could call this uh, soaking prayer. I know that's a particular favorite of Mark Bottles. <laughs> you, could, you could ask him after service. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Uh, but really, uh, intimacy in prayer comes before ministry in prayer. And so I'm going to talk about prayer ministry next week. Uh, but I want to talk about specifically just intimacy. It's intimacy before ministry. So tonight, I'm going to talk about receiving from God, which is an extremely important aspect of prayer. But it's something that's not talked a lot about because it's kind of a... It's kind of an interesting subject to talk about. Like, I'm, like there's a verse in Hebrews 4. It says, like, strive to enter his rest. So it's like, work really hard to do nothing. You're like, okay, I'm not going to preach on that because that sounds confusing, right? But I'm going to preach on that tonight. So here we go. Uh, in 1 John, there's a verse that says, we love because he first loves us. Good. You guys have been reading your Bibles. Normally, it's like one person responds. So we love because he first loves us. Uh, there's a doctrine uh, in the church that's called prevenient grace. And this is what it means. It means that the day of salvation, we didn't go find God. It means we love because he first loved us. He actually came and pursued us while we were still sinners. He pursued us. We said yes, and we got saved. That's called prevenient grace. Does that make sense? So it's funny. We believe that for salvation but somehow we, this isn't something we, we like were taught, but it's something we like caught. Like we kind of like, yeah, that's what happened on salvation. But after salvation, it's up to me. <laughs> like I'm going to have to figure it out. And it, in prayer, it very much translates. We act as if like we have to be the ones figuring out. Um, when we love because he first loved. And I don't believe that was just the day of salvation. I believe that's every single day of our Christianity, of our walk with God. And so I believe that to have healthy prayer lives, our prayer lives have to reflect this theological truth that we love because he first loves. And what that means is we come to God first to receive, not with what we can give. So if you're there at Ecclesiastes, you beat me. Here we go. I'm there. I'm going to read two verses from chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2. It says, Guard your steps as you go into the house of God, and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they don't know that what they're doing is evil. So what's the sacrifice of fools? Don't be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. So draw near to God to listen, and don't be hasty in thought or in word. Because he's in heaven, he has perspective, he's higher than us, he's bigger than us, he's better than us, he's got all this. Don't come hasty, that's the sacrifice of fools. Prayer oftentimes we look at it like it's this mechanical transaction with God. And we come to God, and we're like, okay, i got to figure out what to say. Let me figure out how to pray something real good this morning. <laughs> All right? 
And we act like it's mechanics, like it's, oh, you enter his courts with thanksgiving and then his gates with praise or his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And then you do this and then like we think it's real mechanical. Now, there are principles in prayer, but prayer is not mechanics. Prayer is like art. Prayer is an art. And I'm going to do I'm going to do a live example here of how I see prayer happen sometimes. You're not going to see it up here. I'm going to pull up here, but I'm going to do art for you. I'm going to do art, but I'm going to do it like it's mechanics. Okay, so this is, this is how sometimes we treat prayer. We've got like this whole Bible full of amazing verses, right? And we're like, okay, it's time to pray. i got 40 minutes. I like that verse. Thanksgiving, red. Pink, that's passion. Jordan preached on passion last week. Let's get some pink in there. Purple's passion too, isn't it? No, purple's royalty. We're a royal priesthood. That's a good prayer for this morning. This one says pray for your family. This one says don't be too hasty in your thoughts. So I'm not going to be too hasty. And this one, I don't know what that one says, but it's in the Bible. So God, I like X's. Houses are good. That's where families are. So I'm going to draw a house. There's my mom. I'm supposed to pray for my mom. And the mountains are so beautiful. Jesus, thank you for mountains. I love snowboarding a lot. Thank you so much. It's snowing outside. It's snowing. Thank you for the snow. Um, what else? What, oh, there's a lot of people in Africa that don't have food. I'm going to pray for bread. That's a good prayer. This is a good prayer, right? And there's some people that don't have water, so dig a well. And um, my boss is a jerk, so I'm just going to pray, jerk no more. Okay. Any other good verses I'm missing? Okay, yeah. I'm done. There's my prayer. That was a half hour. I'm exhausted. Thank you, Lord. Bless me. Oh, bless me. Bless me. Okay, I'm done. Whew. Check, box, off, mechanics, done. I prayed like 30 verses. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it, be isn't it beautiful? <laughs> Supposed to clap or something. Where's my reward? Don't I get a little star? I finished my prayer. Check. Right? No. This is obviously a parody. I'm being stupid. Prayer is not mechanical. Prayer is an art. And if you ask any artist, what do they create from? Inspiration. They don't come to a blank canvas and just start slapping paint on it. You know that all colors are really beautiful? They're beautiful. Do you know that things that you create and make are beautiful? But an artist doesn't just go make everything and create everything. Because we love because he first loves. Inspiration comes from the Holy Spirit. Inspiration comes from God. And we come sometimes to prayer so hasty that we think, we think that this is beautiful. <laughs> Does anybody want to purchase this? After service, you can just talk to me. I'll be back in this back room and we can negotiate. There's sure there'll be plenty of offers on it because it's so beautiful, right? No, it's not beautiful. 
It's just kind of a big mess with a bunch of beautiful colors, but it's a mess. There's no lines. There's no structure. There's no nothing. I also did it left-handed. Or, yeah, I did. Maybe I didn't. But the point is, if you want to create something beautiful, you start with intentionality. Intentionality comes from inspiration because you see something, and then you create it. Prayer is an art. You have to come before the Lord, not hasty, not impulsive, knowing that I need inspiration. I can't pray without you. I can't even pray without you. And we're coming not just to go through a mechanical checklist, but we're coming to create an artifact with God. You following me? We're actually coming to create something that he loves, that actually like, he loves. He's like, wow, that's beautiful, right? I'm going to ask a question because I ask questions a lot. Um, why does this mean anything to God? If, if we need him to pray it, are we like his little robots that he just, he really wants to pray it, but he's like waiting for me to pray it even though it's actually his prayer? Does that make sense? Has anybody ever asked that? It's a good question, but we're missing the transaction here. Because it'd be the same thing as this. So when you're a little kid, you have no money, you go grocery shopping, right? Or not grocery shopping, sorry. <laughs> I've never gone grocery shopping, <laughs> still. Um, you go Christmas shopping. A little different, I, you know. Okay, you go Christmas shopping. My dad used to say, hey, all right, you got to get a gift for your brother, your mom, me, grandparents. Here's 100 bucks. Go get something. Go get gifts, right? I would go shopping. I would take the inspiration but then I would make choices with it, and I would, it would become something more than just money, right? And I would give him a gift, my dad a gift for Christmas. Anybody? And he liked it. Why? Because it wasn't just $20 anymore. It was something more. It became something more. It became a creation of my love because I chose it, right? And I put myself incarnated in his inspiration. Does that make sense? Okay, an omelet. This one will be better. How many wives in the room, or women, uh, if you went... You know, most of the women go grocery shopping, right? I know Jody doesn't. <laughs> That's Casey. Casey, we honor you. <laughs> but, right, so the, the wives go, you go grocery shopping, right? And you have, like, eggs, bacon, cheese, uh, maybe some spinach, some onions, tomatoes. You've got it all in the fridge, right? And you purchase it, right? But how would you feel? Would you feel like, oh, no, that doesn't bless me at all? If you woke up at, like, 7 in the morning and your husband had taken all those things and created an omelet and served it to you. How'd you feel? <sighs> what, right? You'd be like pretty blessed out of your mind, right? Like that's a good morning, right? I'm in a good mood all of a sudden, right? Because an omelet is something more than it's just the ingredients, right? An omelet, it's like you created something with your love, so when God gives us inspiration, yes, it's his inspiration. But when we take his inspiration and, and dwell and ponder upon it and receive it, and then we express it back with our love, it's something that was much more than just the inspiration. We create an artifact that God loves. That's why when John goes into heaven in Revelation, he says, I see an incense bowl right before the throne, right before the throne. So it's like probably your favorite thing, right before where you sit all the time. And there's incense rising. What is that? It's the prayers of the saints. 
God likes it having it around. They just sit there and bless him. Right? Isn't this cool? You know that the prayer, Zechariah, the dad of John the Baptist, when the angels come and tell him, like, you're going to have a son, his name's going to be John the Baptist, the angel comes to Zechariah and says, your prayer has been heard in heaven. And Zechariah is, like, in disbelief. He's like, oh, that couldn't be possible, and then he can't speak for nine months. You know the story? The, if you read the commentaries on what the angel is speaking, it's actually this. It's the prayer that you prayed that you're not praying anymore has been heard in heaven. Because God keeps your prayers with him, and he remembers them more than you do when you're praying them in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Five minutes of inspired prayer will move God more than five hours of that. God's looking for inspired prayer. How many portraits have been painted in the world? Who knows? Millions. But who's the queen of them all? Come on. The Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa. We're still talking about her today, right? Why? Because she was crafted with excellence and inspiration. She's perfect. When we take time, not to be hasty, not to go super quick, but to receive inspiration and learn to craft prayers from love, expressed with love to God. We love because he first loved us. We begin to create these artifacts that bless and move God. He keeps them around him, and he remembers them even when we're not praying them. Isn't that cool? Come on. I'm excited. It just makes me want to go pray, right? So I'll see you later. So how do we receive inspiration? If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings. This is an important question that we need answered. I believe the simple question, answer is this. We, inspiration is found in the voice of God. He is the great creator. So uh, 19, 1 Kings 19 Verse 9. We have to learn to hear his voice. Inspiration is in the voice. His voice creates. So if we are to be creators made in his image, we need to receive his voice and we need to hear his voice. There's a story that's very uh, prominent, powerful story about the voice of God with Elijah. In verse 9 of 1 Kings 19, it says, He came there to a cave, which is a mountain. So he came to a mountain. And came there to a cave, and he lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel, forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they're seeking my life to take it. So God said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. And some of your translations say the sound of a whisper. A whisper. God loves to speak in a whisper. And many people 
tell me, and many people I know struggle to hear the voice of God. And this is why. You fail to invest time in solitude because the place that you hear whispers is in solitude. Culture is extremely loud. Amen? Which is extremely exciting. That's not a judgment against culture. That's exciting. We need sound. There's energy. There's passion. There's people. There's things to do. There's things to create. Yada, 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 yada. We're all spinning. Culture is loud. And so it must be balanced with a healthy dose of time in solitude, in silent space where you can hear whispers. If you're not investing in that, you're not going to hear whispers in the craziness of life. It's way too loud, right? Solitude, prayer cave, the secret place, the wilderness. You see the theme all these weeks? We have to invest in solitude. This is where we learn to hear the whisper. Uh, I've heard many people say, you know, I don't like early morning prayer. I'm not a morning person. I just pray in the evenings or I pray in the afternoons. There's nothing like particularly special about early morning prayer. People have asked me, why do you think early morning prayer? What do you think? So this, it's very practical to me why early morning prayer is so fruitful. It's because it's extremely silent early in the morning, Right? There's no Instagram, there's no text messages, there's no emails to check, there's no phone calls. It's stinking early, right? You don't talk to people in the morning. It is a natural place of solitude and silence. And so I don't think there's some kind of like genie in the bottle and 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., those are the special times. You want to pray good? You want more special? 4 a.m., right? No, it's, that, that's not, it's just that it's, it's really practical. It's quiet then. So I'll just put it out there. It's really easy. If you want to start having some solitude time, wake up an hour earlier, which actually means go to sleep an hour earlier, if you're anything like me, because if I don't go to sleep earlier and I try to wake up earlier, I wake up, but I don't ever actually wake up. It's like a sloking prayer then, because I'm asleep. <laughs> Anyways. Early morning. There's a plug. I would highly encourage it. There's something that is just very, very silent about it and it's very beautiful it's very restful you can hear the whispers so what's the posture of receiving if you have your bibles turn to psalm 131 it's one of my favorite psalms honestly one because it's short everyone likes a short psalm Psalm 131. This is David praying. O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I've composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. So what is the posture of receiving? Like a weaned child rest against his mother, so my soul rest upon the Lord. I would like to suggest that literally that is a posture of receiving from God. And literally that is the posture from which I receive from God. Uh, I will come, and there's days 
I literally spend an hour, I don't say a word. I simply, I'll put some nice soft music on and literally, my posture of receiving, you can ask anybody that's lived with me, it's like this. You think I'm joking? I'm not. That's where, uh, that's where I have found the place of receiving is love. And I'll have a pillow, sometimes I'll have a blanket, and I literally come and I say, Lord, I'm here to be loved because I love when I'm first loved. Provenient grace wasn't the day I was saved. It's every single day of my life. And so if I even come into prayer with my agenda, it's not very fruitful because I'm still just striving. I'm glad we sang that song. That was not planned. Jordan, way to listen to the Lord wherever you are. Seriously, I was like, wow, that's a perfect song for tonight. Um, it's not striving. It's receiving. It's composing and quieting your soul like a weaned child. What is a weaned child doing? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing, right? Just laying against its mother. And the Lord is our Abba Father. He is El Shaddai, the many-breasted one. It's a little weird, I know. But he invites us into a place of come and receive from me. That's in the Bible, just so you know. That is in the Bible. <laughs> this is a very childish thing, and this is why it's not, this isn't preached on very frequently, but it's very childish. And you say, that sounds like you're wasting time. And Lord knows, in American culture, time is, so you're wasting time. Money? <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you figure that one out. But yours sounds like you're wasting time. You're just being lazy. You're just laying there in the presence of God doing nothing. You're not praying a beautiful prayer. You're not reading the Bible. No, I do read the Bible just after that. But that's the start. That's the beginning, literally, of every day for, like, the last years of my life. I can't even remember like years, probably seven years, eight years, I don't even know anymore. Lose track of time, because I'm not doing anything. <laughs> this is the truth. All fruitfulness flows from intimacy with Jesus. This is the truth. His timing is more important than time. This is the truth. One day of favor is better than a thousand days of labor. This is the truth. With one word from his mouth, he made the earth. He doesn't need a lot of time. And you're spending time with him. One word from the Lord can do more than your entire week of labor, than your entire year of labor, because God creates things like nobody creates things. And so it is upside down. This is a counterintuitive kingdom. And so our time, our time, Joel talks about, our time is so valuable. But God's asking, I want you to invest time into resting and receiving and centering your heart, composing yourself before me because you can't do anything without me. And he's made it. He's made it. It's just difficult. When you really get to the rub, this is difficult because we are busy people with busy lives. And honestly, 
I am just as busy as anybody that's in business, I promise. I could get my life drowning in all the stuff to do to keep a church going, so it is a fight for me even here. When I first started in ministry, I, uh, I did a number of internships over like each summer that I was in college. I would come home and I would intern, and I would pray, because they said, just pray. I was like, okay. Um, but then it kind of got more real. They started paying me. And I remember it was the summer right after I'd graduated college. I was going to be an internship for four months, and then I was going to be gone uh, in Africa for like four months. And so I, I knew I had four months, and I needed to make money. And they were like, yeah, we'll pay you 1000 bucks a month. And when you're like, just graduated college, I was like, that is amazing, $1,000. I was like, thank you, God. Like, I was so happy, you know, because I thought I was, like, I just prayed in the past that they didn't pay me. So they literally said, I just want you to come. I want you to pray um, all summer and, and kind of lead the prayer ministry. I made it like I had a few things to do, but it was mostly like just pray. And, uh, and then lead like a few little things. And so uh, when you're like 21 or 22 and you're in ministry, like nobody really wants to meet with you then. Nobody really cares what you have to say. So I didn't have a schedule booked. I didn't have any meetings to do. I just had a lot of time to pray. So literally I would just pray all the time. There were literally hours. I remember they had an altar up at the front. I would lay on the altar and just say, God, I just want more of your fire. I'll be a living sacrifice. Like, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. They would find me. People wanted to talk to me. They'd know I'd be in the prayer room laying and praying, laying and praying, laying and praying. Honestly, I, it was for the first time, because I was getting paid, I started going, oh, crap. I'm wasting money. I'm wasting time. Like, I started feeling lazy. I started feeling guilty and condemned that I was being lazy and that I needed to do something. And I struggled with it the entire time, the entire four months of this internship. And then I remember, uh, those of you that know uh, David Reimer, you'll get a kick out of this because he, we were buddies and he was on staff. He'd been the worship pastor for like, I think, I think he'd been on staff for about like three or four years at this point. So, and I remember the last day before I left to go to Africa, like everyone was like, <laughs> they, were like they acted as if I had done amazing things. And I started, I was like, wow, yeah, God did that, God did that, God did that, God did that, God did that. And I ran into David at a coffee shop the last day before I was leaving. And he looked at me, and he was like, I realized something today. And I said, what? He said, I've been here for four years, and you've been here for four months. He's like, and I think you've accomplished about twice as much as I have in four years. He's like, and I watched you all summer. He's like, all you did was pray. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, if you know him, because he is very like, do, 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 like, and he works. He's one of the hardest workers I know, and it's beautiful. And I like to think I, I work hard myself too. I'm not trying to promote that I'm lazy here, but I knew when he told me he's a Montana boy that grew up like he's a hardworking man. Okay, and I knew, I knew, like it was so God speaking to me, and it was like, you're okay. See what happens. You invest time in me, I will do more than you even think that I can. And you will look back and go, how did that all happen? I'm now a little further down the journey. I've had two churches. We're going to do crusades in India. People will ask me, how, do you, how are you planning churches? <laughs> I pray. There's not a secret. I pray. Literally. I sometimes look and I'm like, wow, they're all here. <laughs> You're beautiful. Where'd you all come from? How is this happening? Like, come on, I'm just as much a part of this as you guys are. I'm just like along for the ride. 
So you invest time in your presence. I make it the priority of my day to be with him. And a lot of that doesn't feel productive. Prayer doesn't always feel productive, but it doesn't matter what it feels like. Time is an investment. Time itself is a prayer, and it sends a message. What is the message that you send to God when you spend time, when you spend agenda-free space? Because I'm not trying to advocate laziness. I am not lazy. Okay, I work hard. I really do. And I don't like laziness. And people can use this as a justification. Oh, I'm lazy. I'm not going to do anything. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am advocating is that you create a space in your life that is agenda-free to come before the Lord, to do nothing but to receive his love. Does that make sense? So I do want to clarify that. This isn't like, oh, I just pray 24-7. That's all I ever do. Okay, that's not it. But you have to spend this space. And if you don't, you won't have what it takes because the, some of the biggest decisions that I found and some of the biggest life-changing events or even these little things or strategies or conversations or things that lead to different avenues in ministry, they will come to me while I'm laying there doing nothing. I will get people's names. Oh, I need to meet with them. Oh, I need to have that conversation. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's time to do this, this, this. I've literally had people come to me that have been around me in meeting settings and they say, where are you getting this information from? Because he's like, it's amazing. And I, said, and I said, well, what information? He said, this, this. I said, oh, those come to me when I'm soaking. I'm not doing anything. He's like, what do you mean? I said, it pops into my mind, and I write it down. Like, I can't tell you. That is where all my objectives come from. That's where, like, that's where I get my marching orders for each day. It's in this, like, one to three-hour space, depending on the day, that I'm just with God. And it's crazy. It's just, I expect it now. I come expecting to receive from the Lord. And it is not hard. I'm not striving. I'm not working. Some days I get nothing. But some days I get something that changes everything. Because life's in his voice. Amen? So I'm not advocating lazy space. I'm advocating to create an agenda-free space where you come with no agenda but to receive from the Lord. Because this is what the message says. When you invest time in that way, you're basically saying this. You're saying, God... I believe that investment into a small place of confinement, the prayer cave, is what prepares me to live a life of no limitation. That's crazy. That's faith. That's kingdom. You're saying, I believe you, God. I don't really understand how this works, but somehow taking time of my life and investing it into obscurity and hiddenness and confinement translates to great fruitfulness. That's faith. That moves his heart. Even if it doesn't feel productive, that's faith. That's a powerful prayer because we live in a culture that time is money. And so we talk about tithes is an investment of faith, right? I believe somehow that giving 10% of my money blesses the 90% in a way that I could never, right? We read that we declare that verse, Malachi, bring your tithes to the storehouse, and I'll pour out my abundance until there's no more need. How the heck does that work? Give some of your money away, and then there's more? That's not normal math. Amen? How does it work with prayer? You give time. You give your first fruits of time, sometimes maybe your most valuable time, away to the Lord, and somehow that brings increased productivity and fruitfulness? Are you kidding me? How does that make sense? <laughs> it doesn't. It's not supposed to make sense. Faith doesn't make sense. Faith makes miracles. Woo! -hoo! Come on. Come on. Even if it feels wasteful, it's not. 
Okay, so I'm saying this all because I'm spending a Sunday and preaching a sermon <laughs> trying to get you to create space to just simply be a weaned child against your creator's chest because it's so valuable because you can't live without it because you need connection with him. It's where you learn to hear the whispers. And when you begin to hear the whispers here, you'll go out there and you'll find you innately begin to hear them more out there. You have connection. You're living out of them. You're living with purpose, intentionality, because you've got your marching orders. I heard the whisper. Elijah, if you can read that passage, he goes, he hears the whisper, and the whisper tells him, this is who you need to do. This is who you're going to anoint. He starts telling him all his marching orders. And that's what the Lord wants to do, not just today, not just the day you got saved, every day. It's relationship. So I'm going to end with a prayer. I'm going to just pray a blessing. Hebrews 4. Start in verse 6. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, as has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall and follow into the same example of disobedience. I want you to stand and I'm just going to pray that the Lord will give us perspective and a kingdom mindset to see that entering into rest is the best and most productive thing that we could do. So Jesus, I thank you that you are teaching us how to think the way that you think. I thank you that you're teaching us to invest our time the way that you invest your time. I thank you that you're giving us kingdom perspective that perceives your ways and the courage to partner with them, the courage to put our money where our mouth is, God, and invest our time into your way, into your kingdom, into, into intimacy with you. And God, it is not religion we're talking about. It is not a code that every cookie cutter, but it does it does look like agenda-free space. And Lord, if it's in the mornings for some, show us. If it's for the, the lunch hour, show us. If it's for the evenings, show us. But I pray, Lord, that you give us the grace to enter into the Sabbath rest. I pray that you give us the grace, God. I just remove all condemnation and, and I speak permission to come and be a weaned child before the Lord. God, give us permission to take all the heavy burdens and the heavy yokes and all the responsibilities that we put upon ourselves that you don't. And you just say, come to me and I'll give you rest. 
Jesus, we receive your rest tonight. We receive the permission we have that we don't have to be human doings in your presence. God, we can be human beings that just come and be with you and receive from you. And God, I pray that you anoint our times with you in such a way that we begin praying Mona Lisa's to you, Lord. That we begin praying prayers that you stick on the walls of your courts and look at them day after day and remember them and heed to them and respond to them, God. I thank you that you've given us the privilege of experiencing your inspiration, God, and praying it back to you in such a way that it moves you. God, it's just, it's too much fun, Lord. I pray that you'll take away the seriousness that we try to put on your presence, God, and give us permission to just be playful, and to be childlike as we approach your throne, God. Lord, we just breathe you in tonight. We receive you even right now, Lord. All you wanna say all you want to speak. We receive it. Thankful that it's not always it's not always big and flashy and a big bang, God. Thank you that it's gentle and it's sweet and it's intimate, Lord. So give us the courage, give us the grace to create that space and we know that you'll feel it. We bless your name. King Jesus, amen.